Hello everybody, happy Monday. Welcome to My Life in a Suitcase. So uh, you're, we're here with your hosts, Manija, sally and today we have a wonderful woman with us today. I'd like to welcome our guest into the studio, Fanula. Hi everybody, Fanula my O'Connell. name is Fanula. <laughs> yeah, we're delighted to have you here. Fanula, spring is in the air. Fanula has brought a little bit of autumn today. <laughs> yes. So, but she's looking gorgeous. And um, well, basically put on your kettle, guys. We've got an hour of great music and chat and interesting discussion about race, uh, obviously women, refugees, lots of things. So please get ready and looking forward to having the journey with you. So Fanula, would you like to introduce yourself? Um, Tell us about yourself. <laughs> <laughs> um, hello, everyone. My name is Fanula O'Connell. And, oh, introductions. Um, yeah. Where do you start? Tell uh, yeah. <laughs> with such I an start? Irish name. Yeah. Obviously, when I met you, because I've had the pleasure of working with Fanula, uh, I was quite shocked. <laughs> you don't look like a Fanula O'Connell no, that I know no, from no. my school years. <laughs> I, I think it's so funny because when people hear Fanula O'Connell, there's a certain image that comes into their mind. Yeah, freckles. Yeah. And <laughs> curly hair, which you have. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but it's curly black. hair. <laughs> um, yeah, so, yeah, so I'm Fanula and I was, I was born in South Africa to a Liberian mother and an Irish father. Hence the name. Hence the name. So that's yeah. that's where that comes from. But also my auntie is also called Fanula O'Connell. So oh. at family gatherings, it gets a bit confusing. When lovely. <laughs> is she your Irish auntie? Yeah, she oh, is. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah. Um, I am also the assistant coordinator at the Cork Migrant Centre. Um, what else about me? I love to paint and write poetry. Beautiful. I love sports. I love music. And yeah, I love anything creative, oh, great. really. Yeah. Um, and tell us about, uh, before we get into your fantastic work in Cork Migrant Centre, tell us about um, your childhood. Where did you go to school? Where I went to school? Yeah. I, was, I feel like I need to give you... Uh, well, you probably <laughs> need several hours. <laughs> um, I went to school in a number of places. Okay, so so it's complicated because... So I was born in South Africa and then we moved to Ireland and then my mom missed missed home so much so we moved back to Liberia. So I was in school in Liberia for I think one, two years and then before the civil war is it? It was yeah. in the break. Oh. So Liberia had about fourteen years of civil war. So when we went back it was a break in the civil war. Um so when we I went to school there and then I we had to move again because the civil war started back. Um, I remember like being in school and then all of a sudden less and less people started coming to school and you didn't know what was happening. And then in the evening, you'll notice that, oh, we went into this very quickly. Okay, <laughs> you'll notice that everybody is sitting around the radio listening because there is BBC World Service has news about where the rebels are and so it was it was that's one of your earliest memories yeah wow that's, that's i remember that's tough isn't it really wow. clearly just being being in school and then just less and less people come into school wow. and then in the evening just really quiet with like people curfew? around yeah they not really curfew but it, the radio was the only thing people had wow. to get information and this was only like 15 years ago was it sure yeah about, years? yeah about wow. yeah yeah um, 
yeah, about yeah, I was I was really young, but it, it just it just always that image of people around the radio always just that was their source of information. Yeah, and you hear news like, oh, the rebels are have crossed this border; they're now in this county. Oh, they're coming, but everything was like a rumor. So we weren't sure, and I remember like waking up one day and then having to flee, like got into a pickup with my dad's friends. So there was just a bunch of women at the back of the pickup and everyone scratching together. Oh. And then and then someone had Pringles. I remember Pringles. <laughs> and then the child's brain. Yeah, remember? I remember yeah. Pringles. Oh. Someone had Pringles and then having to flee through Ivory Coast because you couldn't go through Monrovia because that was very, very bad at that time. So I remember, so I was in school in Liberia and then we found ourselves back in Ireland and then I was in school in Ireland. And then in 2006, my mom missed home again and the war had come to a, a more, more of a close, more of an end. And so we moved back to Liberia again, and I was back in school there um, for a few more years. And then I moved back here and then started school. And the funny thing about it is, not funny, tragic actually, when I came back here, I was put back three classes because my education wasn't recognized. So I was this tall girl and had to go back three, three classes. classes. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. very, very tragic. I think Wow. Well, I haven't said anything till now in the show. (laughs) I think I haven't spoken even a word. And you know why? It's because I'm just sitting in front of this amazing, lovely, brave young lady. And all I'm thinking is, we are like two different people from two different corners of the world with very similar stories. And I just feel that there should be you know, there should be another country, you know, like a nation that's called refugees or called people at war because it there is definitely these stories of war and the pain and fleeing from those places and the memories, like like as, as Fenula said, like Pringles, you know, something very small like that can stay in our head for many, many years. Believe me, many, many years. And as Sal today said, she was telling Fenula, well, um, Manisha is a refugee from Afghanistan and she's been a refugee twice in her in her in one life right and I'm thinking yeah that's true so well we are we are very privileged we are very very privileged that we have Fenula with us on the show today and she has so many lovely stories to tell and before we go on to those stories Fenula can you please introduce the singer you chose for us today oh <laughs> <laughs> do you remember Fenula <laughs> um I'll let you, I'll let the audience kind of shazam it, yeah. um, but she is a lady that I came across and I found her on, I found her, I think I found her on YouTube one day and I was listening to her and I couldn't understand what she was saying, but it was just so beautiful. And my mom was in the kitchen and she, she's like, I understand her, but I'm not understanding everything. What is she saying? So I had to Google the lyrics and found that she's from Mali. And my mom, it is so funny because my mom is from the Pele tribe. But a lot of the, there's so much similarity with what, what this, the words are so similar. So I think this song reminds me a lot of my mom as well. 
So I'm gonna I'm gonna let you play it, and if you like the song, you can you can discover her and research. <laughs> Good. Bit of homework, guys. Yeah, <laughs> let's listen to a very very lovely song from Fatumata Diawara. I hope it's again not a word that me and Sal mispronounce, but uh, let's listen to that, and then you can judge. <laughs> Welcome back. Wow. 
That that was very mesmerizing music. I really loved it, Sal. What do you think? Very mellow. It was beautiful. Thanks, Tanisha. Yeah. Oh, God, it's yeah. so lovely. Sal was saying um, something about war. Oh, yeah. Just first, let's have a trigger warning, a standard trigger yeah. warning. We're at it again. I was just saying, um, you know, because for Fanula, it's her normal. She went through uh, the trauma of civil war definitely, and yeah. she knew no different as a child, just like you, Manisha, yeah, in definitely. Afghanistan. And I think it's really good if we have a safe space that we can discuss it because yeah. obviously the trauma of war, there is no win. There are no winners in war. That's and it's just true, yeah. if Fanula is comfortable, which she, what she said she is, to just ask her a few more questions about her experience yeah. of living in a war zone and that fact that her mum is there now. How, how, how is your mum doing? What's the situation now? Oh, Liberia is much, much more calmer. Um, the war, I think, more stable. Ended, yeah, more, more yeah. stable. It, I think the war ended in 2004 and we moved back in 2000. And six, um, but I was lucky enough that I was protected from from the war. Um, I just saw, I just saw the bits. I just yeah. saw the 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 parts that trickle down as a child. You know, you just you're protected a lot, a lot from from it. Which is a testament to your parents, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I suppose the main thing I was going to ask you really before Manisha's got some brilliant questions is how did you cope with this kind of going from an African school culture as a mixed race child then into a white, you know, Irish culture as a mixed race child? Yeah. Was that, that must have been very complicated. Oh, it, it was. It was because I remember when we moved back into back to Liberia in 2006, I was white woman. I was called white woman. Wow. Um, white woman, the kids will say, white woman, white woman. Wow. <laughs> and yeah, because in because I am mixed, um, I over there, because I, I'll be way lighter than a lot of the like, typical Liberian people. So for a while, we lived in a village. We didn't live in the capital, Monrovia. We lived out. So rural. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So even more, you really stood out. Yeah, so a lot of the people that we would have been around wouldn't have seen someone from from Liberia or would have had limited contact. Um, so it was an interesting challenge. But what I remember is that I was accepted very quickly and my difference was more perceived with more kind of excitement because the kids will see me and they will learn that I was from Ireland and they were so excited to learn. And that curi- curiosity that they had never ended. Did they accept you? Like af- after, like though your color was a bit different from them, then they ex- they, did they accept you in a friendly way? They accepted me in a friendly way immediately, like immediate, immediately because Liberia have, has a history linked to the U.S. Um, mm-hmm. It was where a lot of the freed slaves were, were taken after colonization, after they... Um, Slavery ended in the U.S. So lighter skin is viewed, it's viewed is more it with po- positive lens. Okay, yes. rather than, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so. Like it's, it's, a, it's a prejudice to be, to be lighter skin. Yeah, it's a privilege. Yeah, yeah. it's a privilege. Yeah. So it's revered. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, wow. So um, I, but that created a discomfort because people treated me differently and differently wasn't good different. You know, every all of a sudden in school, like all the guys liked me only because I was light. Not because you're a lovely, t- intelligent woman. No, no. <laughs> yeah, it, the skin thing always came up at number one. So it's it made like me a really. Celebrity. 
Yeah, but it made me really insecure about myself because it made me think every, people were liars because they'll say, oh, you're so beautiful. Oh, your skin is so nice. And so that made me, I like I never dated when I, when I was there. Kind of, I never, because I don't, I didn't trust. Um, mm. I didn't trust. And you know that age, you know, with, with young people and they just say what's on their mind a lot. But I think I just felt really, I felt, I felt different, but it wasn't, I was never like scared or, or intimidated. intimidated or anything like that. I just like, there was a fashion show once and I'm just like, everyone's like, oh, you should go for the fashion show. You're definitely going to, I'm like, no, I, I never wanted oh, to. You didn't want that attention. I didn't want the attention. So something that other people um, in, in, in your country looked like a privilege to you, it made you uncomfortable because you wanted them to see beyond, beyond that, you know, to and see. And I just wanted yeah. to fit in. Yeah, <laughs> you know? of course. Did you feel lonely, Fanula? Yeah, yeah. I did. Um, I did feel lonely. And it. I'm lucky I had my sisters. Yeah. So I have um, two siblings that are darker. And I have a sibling that is also mixed, so darker black. Um, so the colorism part, the reason I'm emphasizing that is because of the colorism that my I could recognize the privilege that my skin color had. But my sisters and my brother were so good at kind of protecting protecting us, yeah. you know, and supporting each other. So as much as I felt lonely, I knew my older sister was there and she wasn't going to let anyone say anything to me. And... So it was it was that support that we had, but people were will question, oh, is that your older sister? She's darker than you. I'm like, yes. <laughs> and everyone was so confused because we never told anyone that, oh, my my older siblings, my two older siblings had a different father. Wow. It was never something that we ever mentioned. And people thought, oh, genetics are so weird. <laughs> and my little sister who, who was... My little sister, who is also mixed, only found out about it when she was 13 because she didn't she didn't know. And I think it just came out one day. I think we were talking about something randomly. Yeah, just randomly. And she and she had like this mental kind of (laughs) she's like, what? (laughs) But that was how close we were because we didn't know any different and we still don't know different. So is that support that we had for each other? So how old were you at that time? I was, I think I was 14. 14. And when you came back to Ireland, how old were you then? I was, when I was, I went to Liberia 2006. I was there until 2010. And then when I came back here, I think I was like 15 going on 16. So when you came here, then everything, like there was a shift, yeah. you know? Now you are the darker color, you know? The, yeah, the darker I'm now color black. student. Yeah. <laughs> All of a sudden. <laughs> so well, how, how did that yeah. shift happen? How did that made you feel? I, I didn't know how to take it because I owned being Liberian so much. Like I was a, a Liberian girl. I didn't even know the term mix at that time. Yeah. I just said I was because I was culturally brought up in the Liberian culture. But then the they racism kind of crept up very quickly. In, um, Ar- in Ireland. In Ireland. Oh, tell yeah. us about that. Oh, no. That was in secondary school. It, but it was it was. The racism, I lived in a rural area, so it manifested itself with a lot of exclusion. So not being invited to parties and my friend would have to like ask pers- like a special permission. Oh, can she come 
So you have to ask a special permission for your black friend to come to your birthday. And she would tell me this. She's like, oh, I need to ask my, my mom if you can come. Oh, my goodness. So, Lula, I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's, that's, that's horrendous. But yeah. it was, it was a lot of that. And it was boys not like talking to you or the novelty of just wanting to I shift. I it would be the opposite with the boys, no. to be honest. <laughs> the novelty yeah. of just wanting to shift someone who was black. Um, that was something I experienced a lot with. So it was just, it was so part of my life that I didn't realize how isolated and how excluded I, I was. And to the point where I wasn't comfortable to have my Afro. So I'll wake up every morning at around six o'clock and straighten my hair. And my hair was a lot. It would take me like two hours to straighten this hair because people used to call it a bush and all these things. And people used to like put their hands in it. So that's, I used to wake up. That's a big no-no. Yeah. Oh my God, I used to just wake up and scrape my hair. And like reflecting back, I'm like, I could have been sleeping. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I could have been a teenager. <laughs> Two hours is a big deal to yeah. a teenager. Yeah. And guys, for, for, for all of you out there who are listening, you, she is such a beautiful, like exactly. she's such Next a beautiful girl. <laughs> yeah, like I mean. Tall and really Tall, and beautiful, exotic with the, the lovely, lovely hair. You know, like I, I really wish I had and that hair. amazing you know? eyelashes. I'm very yeah. jealous. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> like my hair is confused between two, three types of hair. <laughs> Sal is pointing her fingers to, and she's no. she's right. She's telling me the truth. Okay, you okay. have beautiful hair, Manisha. Don't be bold. <laughs> Sal is very kind, but yeah, like I mean, we are talking about a girl who was this beautiful, yeah. even much beautiful because you were younger at that time. And imagine I how acne. I had acne was a difficult time. Oh, <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So how how did you feel? You know, like from the from being the prettier girl in the community, where all the boys yeah, were yeah. after to get to a girl who was darker skin and nobody wanted to, you know, be friends with. How did you internally felt? That is a good question, and I think I don't think I felt a lot during that time. Oh. Um, I don't think that's a good question because I don't know how. To me, I think it it was something I am okay. What I my strategy in school because I had no friends, so I would go. I would. I was very kind of extroverted as well, um, which is confusing sometimes. But I went and got together with the people who were also like on the margins. So I was able to find those people who were left out. Find your tribe. Yeah. We all have to find our tribe. Because I think I'm just drawn to, like, if I see someone by themselves, I'm going to be the one to sit beside you. And then sometimes, of course, they'll get up and leave because they don't want to be (laughs) associated (laughs) with a black girl. But it was was that thing. And that's something I experienced. You have someone who's lonely or something. You come and sit like, oh, then they'll get up and leave. But I I found... I think I found my friends. I tried to connect with people who I felt were also feeling what I was feeling, that kind of feeling excluded because of one thing or another. And so that was the friends I had until I I left school. But I think I was really numb for a lot of secondary school. I focused on study. On survival mode. Yeah, my goal was to get out. I skipped transition year. And you did great. You you ended up studying in UCC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I yeah. came to UCC. Um, I passed very well. Um, but it was that idea. My goal was to get out. I'm like, I cannot stay in this small town. 
no one here. I can't even identify with a lot of people here. I have to get out. And my and then I decided to come to Cork Open Day because it was where they had my course. And I remember coming to the Open Day and I saw a black lecturer. And I went up to him and I had a conversation with him. And I'm like, I think I'm going to do this course. <laughs> I went that was the international development course. Yeah, yeah. the international development. Because I went there and I taught criminology. I was interested in that. I was interested in this. I was interested in so many different things. I'm like, journalism, what? Um, but I was interested. He had a black lecturer there talking about it. And I, was, I walked over to him. It's just comfort, you know? Yeah. And I was able to talk to him about it. And he told me about his experience with the course. And I'm like, mm-hmm. this is cool. But the problem was when I came to Cork by myself, my dad just put me on a bus and sent me to Cork to come for the open day. I came and I was so overwhelmed that uh, that I, I just couldn't. I, I loved the course. I made my decision. I put it on my CAO, but I was so terrified and overwhelmed that I couldn't take the step to come to college that year. And also I was getting Susie and, you know, my, my, my dad wasn't well off or anything like that. Um, so I decided, okay, if I'm going to be living off Susie, I need to try and take a gap year and make some money. But also it was just, I, I was so terrified of moving somewhere by myself and entering yeah, this big city, yeah. you know, yeah. from a small village to a big city. So I took a gap year off and I worked. I went to the UK. I was okay going to the UK. I went to the UK and I worked for three jobs. I told myself I needed experience. <laughs> so I worked three different jobs between over nine months. Yeah, well that, that's bravery. Yeah, yeah. That, that's really bravery. Brave. Very good. And then, um, did you think that year benefited you? Oh, yes. Okay? Yes. It's it very did. different there. It it's much did. more multicultural it, in Ireland. It did. Oh, I was, I was in a not so multicultural place. Oh, no. <laughs> no. But I was, yes. But it was good experience. I worked for a call center. I worked for a furniture shop. I sold furniture. I know a lot about furniture. Um, well, now me and Sal know where we're getting, a, where we're going to get our advice from. That's good. And then I also ended up working for a a charity called the Missing Kind. It was about kindness, spreading kindness, but also like selling um, ethical, ethical products. So my job was like sourcing, um, like tracing products to see how ethical they are. Can we have them in the shop and doing that kind of stuff? So I got a lot of experience um, yeah. from that. So um, now this life experience, you know, being a refugee fleeing war, then seeing, going back to that country, then coming back, seeing all this, the isolation and everything. Does this send you or pushed you or helped you to make this choice of working where you're working now? <laughs> Does this have any part in that? Uh-oh, definitely. Um, <clears throat> like that was, that was my whole thing. Um, to be completely honest, I think I had, I almost like, I didn't know what I wanted, but when I saw the course, it made sense to me because when you're living in a country like Liberia who who suffered so, so, so much, so much, and you come to Ireland, the disparities, the inequality, it just hits you. It hits you so hard in the heart and you're thinking about your 
your cousins and stuff in Liberia and then you come here and your cousins here and just the difference in in life yeah. and living um my thing was always I, I wasn't sure if I wanted to go to university I didn't know if I wanted to go to college my dad didn't go to college so I I didn't know what I wanted to do but when I I what I wanted to do was understand how the world is the way it is how inequality works how how what is poverty what what does it mean um because you see you see it and it's really sad because as i studied a course it was almost kind of a bit triggering for me at times because i learned about malnutrition and all these things food insecurity and then i look at picture of my childhood with my friends and you can you can tell people you know People, yeah, you can tell from the pictures um, that you know some people have swollen bellies, and yeah. oh, and gosh. I never I never connected that. So it made makes me look at my childhood pictures, and I had like <laughs> you know, but it made me look at my childhood pictures really, really differently. And I just it's hard for me to look at it sometimes because I didn't realize where I was. And like yeah. I remember, but that's yeah. You're a child, weren't you? Yeah, you're you just, a child. Yeah, it's amazing. And talking about like how war kind of impacts your life in a casual way, uh, my dad tells me this story because I didn't. It never occurred to me until a few few weeks ago, a few months ago. So we have this game. It's a card game. So in this card game, um, every player gets four cards, and then you put the rest of the deck in the middle. And the goal is you have to get an A, a K, a four, a seven, then you win, right? So you, you, if you pick up a card, it's not an A, a K, or four, a seven, you put it back down. Okay. And I never oh understood AK-47. AK-47. Oh <laughs> AK-47. I never... The weapon? Yeah. yeah. Oh and so God. we used to play it with my grandparents. Oh my goodness, that to, is so creepy. When we came back from Liberia, it's a game we used to play when we went to my grandparents on Sundays. And I remember my dad, I think it was around Christmas, he mentioned that he's like, oh, I remember like his, his mother having such a shock when we decided we wanted to play AK-47. And then that, I always play this game, but I never actually heard it. I never heard <laughs> what, what it was. So now even like, and that was just a few months ago, because this is a game that I've introduced at parties that I've been to. I'm like, let's play a game, AK-47. You just have to get it. That's unbelievable. <laughs> That's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's the casuality of war, isn't you it? Don't, I, it it's never just, it's clicked just, with me. And I might have been naive, but it just, there's no connection because I was such a distance yeah. from it. And you know, um, I, I, one thing from my life experience that I understood is, only a person who has lived and survived the war can, can understand another person who has lived and survived the war. Absolutely. Yeah, those who um, and and those who haven't lived that, it's very difficult for them to understand what are we talking about? Where is this coming from? You know, because you can imagine it, but then living like living that life and thinking how did these people survive? Like that is totally a miracle and only those who have lived that that miracle they understand how that is so we'll take a short break 
short, very short break, and we'll listen Give to you a little break, Fanula. Yeah, <laughs> and we we will af- after the break we'll talk more to the lovely Fanula about a lot of lovely other things. So let's enjoy listen. the music. Yeah.
Welcome back. <laughs> Thanks, Manisha. So for that very interesting tune. <laughs> yeah, that was no, lovely, no. right? We just needed a break. So guys. Yeah, and it just yeah, brought so our blood pressure a bit down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were getting a bit <laughs> So much injustice. There. So, so much injustice. Yeah, we're getting a bit cross. So Fanula, we, as we, we brought up your work, we'd love to hear about your work. So we're running out of time in the Cork Migrant Centre. Tell us, tell yes. us about it. Tell us um, about your goals and who you work for and... So I work at the clients? Cork Migrant Centre at the Nanonagal Place and I am the assistant coordinator there. Um, so we work with young people from migrant back. Well, I work with young people from migrant backgrounds and young people living in direct provision. Um, young, young people living in direct provision centres in the city and in the county. And Dr. Naomi Machetti, who I work with, we work with the moms and she we work with the kids. I think we just we just work together with the young people and the kids and the toddlers and the. <laughs> and well, I'm lucky enough to coordinate a lot of you know be involved in a lot of projects with you. You're it's lovely. You're fantastic at coordinating your job and oh, connecting with people. And yes, so thanks sweet. to you, my my the gorgeous kids I work with in West Cork are really beneficiaries of your service. Oh, I can that's say that. So you're a great hear. connector. Yes. We, yeah. work, we work by collaborations because so, we're such a small team. But our thing is reaching into the, co- the community, reaching out to the centers and trying to get everybody in and connected. So collaboration, I think, is the way forward for all organizations. The more people, the more communities you have the ability to impact, the better. And how? what would be your big challenge with your job? What would be the... The biggest frustrating part about it. Um, I think one of the challenges would just be for me turning off sometimes. And I know that in itself is a privilege. But I think sometimes, you know, sometimes you have a nine to five job and you can go home and be like, okay, I'm going to do this. For me, I have everything in my head and it doesn't, doesn't turn off. I'm always thinking about... I'm always thinking about the challenges. I'm always thinking about, I'm always thinking about everything because everything in the job is also related to me because with the, the work we do around anti-racism and you can't take yourself out of it sometimes. So everything you're doing, you're doing it for the people. You're also doing it for yourself to see the world, to bring change to to the communities you work with and the communities you live um so it i think for me it's hard because sometimes you're just you're just forced to face things that you want to put at the back of your mind and you want to turn off social media but then it's always there um so i think for me that's the biggest challenge stepping back so normally um uh, the youth that you work with like where are they from which countries do they belong to oh the lots of countries um we have young people from eastern europe and we have more um, young people from ukrainian backgrounds now we have also young people from south africa southern african countries west africa and sometimes yeah i think majority will be from southern african countries and west so, um, what is uh, what what type of experiences do they have in Ireland, and what are their challenges? Um, I think depends the group. So, um, depending who we're working with, a lot of people will be at different levels. For example, if you're working with um, 
young people that are new to Ireland, their challenges are going to evolve, just kind of adapting into Irish culture, making friends, racism. Um, language sometimes. Language, yes. Culture, definitely culture as well. I yeah. Guess, for my work. The cold. The, cold. <laughs> the weather. Yeah, the cold is a big thing. <laughs> so I can empathize a lot with, with them. Um, so, but the young people that have been here for ages who have been here for three, four, five years, they, their struggle is a bit different because a, a lot of them, I don't want to speak for people, but I think what I've seen is just sometimes a bit of hopelessness. Um, so you're always trying to keep them moving, that motivational kind of piece, keep them thinking about their options, the educational pathways, um, because you don't know your future almost. Um, so just trying to keep them moving. We do a lot of activities around psychosocial well-being. So we do music, dance, building confidence, building self-esteem, and just trying to get them into into different forms of education um, because the laws are a bit, <laughs> the laws are problematic, not a bit. So unless you're here for three years, you cannot go into, you cannot get Susie to go into um, university. Uh, you can apply for the sanctuary scholarships. Um, that's a, that's an option, but not, if let's say you come to Ireland and then you're thrown into sixth year, a lot of people won't be able to to adapt that quickly to go straight into university. So some people might be more inclined to go to the PLC route and navigating that route and trying to also keep in mind and trying to keep them motivated with where they actually want to go. Because a lot of them, when they were home, before they found new home here, they had dreams of, you know, finishing school, going to this university, studying this, but now that route is not as direct for them. So they now have to look at alternative options. So for for those young people, we try to work closely with our mentorship program to kind of to kind of guide. Yeah, so that's what your uh, link yeah. to get them into education and also to give them their options. Yeah, that's it's, options. it's a lot of signposting, isn't it, it your job? It is, signposting. I find that as well. Yeah, because yeah. I think oh, there's this guy, Martia Senner, but the idea of freedom being a choice. So you're truly free when you actually have a choice. Um, so I think a lot of what we try to do is just give them options, give them choices. Um, um, that's interesting what you said, because what, what really struck me a while ago, and I know we're running, is the, you said a privilege to switch off. Yeah. And what you just said there for Denise, isn't it? It's amazing. Yeah. Having that. freedom. Freedom. Yeah. But having always options. freedom of the mind is the biggest challenge. Yeah. For all of us, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. How do you switch off? It's very intense. Yeah, it's and it can be very emotionally draining. It is. It is, and it's it's your life, you know. Like, I remember having a conversation and talking about activism, and then I'm like, I I wouldn't call myself an activist because I feel like this is my life, you know. This is I'm trying to kind of protect and kind of ensure a better life for my kids. And if if I marry someone darker, my children is my child is going to be black. That's so true, and they they'll be a black Irish person. Yeah, yeah young person. So yeah, you, so you're and then the way for it's my yeah, it's your family. Yeah, 
so it in my mind is like the fight against racism is sometimes it's it's you don't really society. have a choice do you? you don't have a choice it's it's your life and it's the life of my siblings it's the life of my friends it's the life of the young people i work with um so you you can't stop you can't stop when you're when we're talking about like decolonizing the curriculum and all of this i want to i want my kids to go to a school where they feel represented I, I went to school in Liberia, and I remember one funny, <laughs> I, I'm going back a lot, but one of the memories I have is being taken out of class by my French teacher because he found a book in our library. And keeping in mind, this library was stocked with books that were donated from all across the war, world after the war ended. So a, a lot of them were out of date, <laughs> and a lot of them were really old. But one of the books that was there was Daniel O'Connell, Oh, yeah. And of course, you're Fanula yeah, O'Connell. So he came to me and he's like, are you related to this guy? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> <laughs> because it's the O'Connell. And I was I was young, so I was like, I don't know, maybe. maybe he's I need- an uncle or something. <laughs> maybe I should ask my dad. Yeah, I, I, that's what I said. I said, I, I was going to ask my dad about it. But it's this, it's this idea of just, <laughs> just life, like that, that connection that we have. And at the end of the day, we're all just humans. We're all just people. Yeah. yeah. yeah and it's a bir- I always talk about this with my daughters. It's a birth lottery. Your gender, your race, your color. It's just a birth lottery. You're just, you're just born. You, you know, are. whether you're white, black, you know, Arabic, Catholic, yeah. female, male. And even it's the just, idea of yeah. activism is like, it shouldn't be, a li- everyone should be an activist automatically yeah. feminist yeah. activist yeah. Yeah, we all need it's, to fight to make a better world you're creating a better world what's the point of of just existing existing if you're not trying to make the space better so activism sometimes is a love-hate relationship i have because i'm like i'm i'm just i'm just fighting <laughs> for like basic basic rights basic basic things and it shouldn't be like even you know climate act yes we should all be activists for the climate this is the land that feeds and nourishes us why why are we not doing it so i i'm just sometimes i'm like activists are human like (laughs) it it should be one thing yeah all of us should have the same feelings and you know feel responsibility for all the actions you know have the acceptance for all and give everyone respect and I really don't understand why still at this age in time we are differentiating between people though we all have the same color of blood, you know, and it's just maybe maybe we as as humans are very shallow and we just try not to see beyond that cover that we have and it is not very good. It's it's not a good color on us as humans. No, no, it's no. not. <laughs> it is not. No, I, I sometimes I don't understand because like even color is really funny to me. Because like I'll, I'm mixed, so if you put it into simple language, it's like you have a black mother and a white father. Am I a gray person? I'm in the gray area, you know. But like no one is black, the color black. No one is the color white. That's true. Yeah. But then we arm ourselves with these labels and we scrap it onto us and we and put it on our faces, and that's how we choose to see the world as black and white when it's. It's not that. And even the basics, we can't get right. No one is yeah. black. <laughs> I know. Yeah. yeah. 
I, I'm I'm Vitish, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> I'm neither black. Yeah, oh. I'm, I'm 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 neither black nor white nor gray nor brown. I'm Vitish. Wow. Yeah. There see? you go. I learned something new. Yeah. Every day. I like. I just see two fantastic women. Yeah. <laughs> it's just yeah. It's thank you so much, Fanula, for you know talking so with your heart about such important topics. Thank and you. you know just sharing with us because yeah. it's so complicated what you went through in schooling and everything and it's a it's, journey it's it's ma- a journey. it is a journey and you st- <laughs> like what happened there with the AK47 you're learning yeah yeah it's amazing it's revealing yeah and i think the more more experiences and interaction you get you learn more things about yourself yeah because if let's say you never i never thought my dad didn't if we'd ever had that conversation, I would have just been going on with that game and not heard it from someone else, not seen someone else's reaction to it. So it's amazing what we learn about ourselves by talking to other people. <laughs> yeah. It's great. It's wonderful. And we're always learning, and that's really the big message. Yeah. So, guys, we are running out of time, and I can surely say that we still have so much talk to yeah. talk to Fanula about only chapter one. Yeah, so you have to, you know, you have to promise us here that you will come at least two more times to our show. <laughs> Please, Fanula. Yeah, because there are two more div- important topics that we need to talk to you about, and I'm sure our listeners would love to listen to you more about on on these topics. So, just to wrap up today's show, um, when Fanula says that she's a mixed race, maybe we all here mix, but that means that. She's, she neither belongs to the black community nor she belongs to the white community. And she has to struggle every day to find a place for herself. And I'm not sure if there would be a community that call themselves mix. And even if they do, there is so many varieties of mix now that you really don't know where you belong. And when I say that I'm Vitish, that actually means that I'm neither cool, as cool as black people, <laughs> nor as privileged as white people. <laughs> neither do I come under brown people, you know. So it means that I belong to a community that have no idea where they're going, what they're doing. <laughs> so some days on the street, if it's a good day, people will think, oh, maybe I'm from maybe from Spain or someplace, you know. Or if it's a bad day, people will look at me and say, oh, not a bad day though I would still love that because I really really love India but we were like oh are you from India for bad day I means like I would have a bit you know like not feeling very well that day and I would say no I'm from Afghanistan but it somehow seems that the color I have is a very weird color and nobody can locate where I'm from and to be honest I know many people out there say that racism is not a thing believe me it is uh, and I can say from my experience I never write anything on internet, but just a few days back, there was a news on BBC on YouTube, a BBC channel, a news on YouTube, very, very open, just about how Israeli forces yet attacked Palestine and so many people got killed and I couldn't stop myself. I just wrote three sentences and these were as innocent as this, that we should say no to war Neither does Palestinians nor does Israelis, none of them actually deserve war. There should be peace. And you have no idea that in 40, 50 minutes, how many people commented under that. And there was so many, so much hatred. 
that and I didn't reply to any of them. So finally, the people who are writing all those comments started calling me the troll who hasn't even replied to them. And all I did was I just deleted the comment and I said, I'm never going to write again. So this shows that this is the world we are living in. And as we said today in this show, this is not a good color on humanity. We need to do better. We need to be better. We need to accept everyone. And we should see beyond color, beyond race, beyond hair, beyond wealth, you know, beyond nationality, gender. beyond gender. Yeah, beyond gender, beyond, ch beyond choices. We need to do better as humans. If we cannot do better as humans, how can then we be kinder to animals? How can we be kind to our planet Earth? So with this thought, we finish our show today and we will meet again next Monday same time, same place. Just to say, this song is for your beautiful nephew. It's his birthday on Wednesday. You oh, thank yeah, you that's so why I picked much. This song for him because he's a fellow Piscean, the first of March. So we have to support the Pisces. <laughs> thank <laughs> so you so you much. <laughs> thank you, Fanula. Hope to thank see you, you again. Thank you.